God save the queen, man. You're listening to The Rant. Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God. I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. You're listening. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway. You fucking crazy, man. You sound insane. Do you realize that? To the, to the rant. I speak jive. Oh, good. I've been saying it. I've been saying it for 10 damn years. Ain't I been saying it, Miguel? Huh? I've been saying it. You are listening to The Rant with David King. Welcome to The Rant. I am your host, David King. God save the queen. God save the queen, man. Good Lord above. What are we going to do with Joe Biden? It's good to be back with you on this Friday, the 23rd. Happy Friday, everybody. I hope you're having a great week. Hope you have good plans for the weekend. I know I've got some crazy-ass plans this weekend. Was not expecting to have a weekend that's coming up, but we are, and uh, it's going to be crazy. 24 hours straight endurance golf. I'm going to be playing in a golf tournament tomorrow where I'm going to play for 24 hours straight. So 10 a.m. Saturday to 10 a.m. Sunday. It is a benefit. Uh, well, you know what? Let's just do this. Let's. Um, we could always just bring it up. It's, it's, uh, it's the 24-hour benefit that goes towards childhood cancer. Uh, Let's pull this up right now. There she is. Yes. So it's called Mason's 24, 20-F-O-R-E, play on the word four, straight. So Mason's 24 straight golf marathon. And it benefits the Mason... uh, no child fights cancer alone. Just over two weeks away. Help us raise money through golf for pediatric brain, pediatric brain tumor foundation, and sides, which is Sydney's incredible defeat of Ewing sarcoma, for kids fighting cancer. You can go to if you're interested in looking into this. You can. It's probably a little too late for you to join in and play, but you could always join and play next year. Uh, you can donate or better yet for next year, enter a team and come play, uh, this year it's June 24th through the 25th at TPC Sugarloaf. You can learn more at 
fightingchildhoodcancer.org or donate to Mason's 24 Straight Foundation, bloom.kindful.com slash blah, blah, blah. I'll, I'll include a link to all of this in the description of the podcast if you're interested to go look into it more. Uh, it's a good cause. It's going to be a long night. <laughs> um, so pray for me because I don't know if I'm going to make it through the 24, but we'll try. It's a lot of golf <clears throat> and that's a long time to be awake, but it's for a good cause and I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully y'all will go check out that website and maybe even donate a little bit to give back and fight against childhood cancer. There's nothing worse in the world. As far as I'm concerned, than childhood cancer, it is horrible. Absolutely horrible. It is one of the worst things on the planet. We have to defeat it some way or somehow. And that is a good segue into what we're going to be talking about today uh, on this episode of The Rant. We've talked about it before. We're going to talk about it again. Uh, we had a great little email here from Heart and Soil that I wanted to go over with you guys that I thought was really interesting. So I wanted all of you folks who are not subscribed to the Radical Health newsletter like I am, I wanted to give you a little insight. It's the seed oil uh, email down the seed hole oil rabbit hole. Yes. We've talked about seed oils before. You've heard me say it a million times. I have people who joke with me and call it poison and they laugh. Ooh, it's poison. Is this poison? David, can I eat this? Is this poison? <laughs> Very funny. The reality of it is, is that seed oil is in fact poison. Uh, it's extremely toxic. It's a chemical byproduct. It's an industrial waste byproduct rather. It was originally designed and created to lubricate industrial machinery. And then later they realized, hey, you can eat this. Well, you can, but you shouldn't. So let's get into it. A hundred years ago, fewer than one in 10 people had chronic disease. But today it's six in 10. And three in four Americans are overweight or obese. And one in three are diabetic or pre-diabetic. These are all things that we spoke about before on the podcast. There are more people who are morbidly obese now in the United States. There's more people who are now diabetic or pre-diabetic. And there is a rise in heart disease. Heart disease is the number one killer of Americans in this country. It's not even close. So it's fair to say that as a species, we are very, very sick. Yes, indeed. We are terribly sick. We are sick, unhealthy, and dying. And while we may be living longer, we're, not, we're sure not living well. Now, the CDC blames the rapid rise of chronic disease on four things. Smoking tobacco, a lack of exercise, excessive alcohol, and number four, poor nutrition. Specifically, diets low in fruits and vegetables and high in sodium and saturated fat. But, but if you take a look at the data, apparently we are also eating healthier than ever. Smoking and drinking less and exercising more. I've said this all the time. In fact, I made this point uh, a few podcasts back, which is if you look at the data, the data does not back up the fact that diets high in sodium and saturated fat are the reason for poor nutrition. Because the charts show that the overwhelming majority of Americans are decreasing their sodium and saturated fat intake, as well as their red meat intake, and increasing their vegetables and fruits and things of that nature. And everybody is exercising more now than ever. Uh, even if it's just mild walks, exercise is still up. Uh, and yet, 
when we look at the numbers, everybody's still morbidly obese. The obesity rate's going up. The heart disease rate is going up. The diabetic rate is going up. So why is it, when you look at these charts, you see that the consumption of saturated fat and sodium and red meat is going down, and yet the chart of chronic disease continues to increase. So it goes on to say, chronic diseases are increasing at an insane rate. Yet the very things they blame chronic disease on are decreasing. What's going on? It makes absolutely no sense. But guess what has risen in tandem with chronic disease? You guessed it, seed oils. And the purpose of this newsletter, according to the Heart and Soil, is to convince you to join the anti-seed oil movement. So guys, the, the purpose of this podcast is to convince you to join me, David King, on the anti-seed oil movement. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you diet. I don't care if you don't diet. The single biggest thing you can do for your health right now is to cut out seed oil. If you cut out seed oil, never mind processed sugars, but if you could cut out seed oil, you could radically change the way you live your life. It is literally the biggest thing you can do to transform your health right now. And it's the easiest thing. You just cut it out. Don't eat anything with seed oils in it. Goes on to say here, but nobody in the mainstream health scene is talking about this. So they say they say the same thing I just said, which is they believe the single biggest thing you can do is to radically transform your health is to eliminate seed oils. That's what I just said. But nobody in the mainstream health scene is talking about this. It's the elephant in the room. You need to become that person who requests their restaurant steak be cooked in butter. There's actually a way you can do it. You can say, I want my steak cooked medium rare. And by the way, can you cook that in butter, please? And they'll go, yeah, sure. They'll do it for you. Um, they're all too happy to say, absolutely. <clears throat> so there you go. So here we got seven reasons to hate seed oils. All right. Rule, reason number one, they violate the laws of nature. Seed oils are modern-day industrial frankenfoods, only introduced to our diet about 120 years ago. They were originally invented to lubricate machines, just like I said earlier. And before then, your ancestors would have needed to eat nearly 3,000 sunflower seeds to get the equivalent of five tablespoons of sunflower oil. Again, I'll repeat that. 3,000 sunflower seeds to get the equivalent of five tablespoons of sunflower oil. Seed oils, including soybean oil, corn oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil, canola oil, peanut oil, rice bran oil, grapeseed oil, and cottonseed oil. And they are all industrially processed poisonous garbage. What do they mean by industrially processed? Whoa, we don't want that to open up. I'll include a link here uh, to a YouTube video that shows you how exactly it's made. Reason number two, they are everywhere. Since coming on the scene, seed oils have spread as fast as a weed. Not weed like the weed you smoke, weed like the crap that you're trying to kill in your front yard. To put into context, from 1909 to 1999, soybean oil consumption increased 1,000 times. 1,000x. We really mean it when we say they are everywhere. Almost all restaurants cook in them, and particularly all processed foods, including so-called healthy processed foods, contain them. And that is true. I laugh at every time I watch Shark Tank with my wife. This is something we like to watch. And you'll always see these people come on with, um, 
and they're introducing a healthy, a healthy snack um, to help you with your weight loss or to help you live a healthier life. And they've got these snacks and they might be plant-based, right? Um, there was one that had like crickets. It was made from crickets. But the hilarious thing about these snacks is they're all cooked in seed oils. So while the ingredients themselves that make up the, the, the chip might be a little bit better for you than a traditional corn chip or a potato chip, they're still extremely unhealthy because they are cooked in seed oil. Uh, the average American now consumes 5 to 10 tablespoons of seed oils each day. I want you to go to your kitchen today, get a tablespoon out, and get a clear measuring cup or a clear glass of water, like a clear glass, something that you can see through, and measure out 10 tablespoons of water and put it in there. And just look at that visual representation of how much seed oil you're you're consuming each day. It is absurd. Reason number three, they stay in your body for years. Seed oils contain unnaturally high amounts of polyunsaturated omega-6 fatty acids, primarily in the form of linoleic acid. We've spoken about linoleic acid before on the podcast. A healthy and evolutionary appropriate omega-6, omega-3 ratio is 1 to 1, but is now up to the levels of 20 to 1. Not good. Our physiology is unable to process such uh, such high levels of omega-6 fats. It stays in our fat cells where it takes multiple years to break down. Nasty, nasty stuff, guys. Reason number four, seed oils are highly unstable. Polyunsaturated omega-6 fatty acids in seed oils are highly unstable, specifically when heated. Hello, deep fat fryer. And from inside our fat cells, they break down into oxalams, oxidative byproducts of linoleic acid metabolism. The two main ones are 4-hydroxy nonanol, or 4-HNE, and 13-hydroxy-octadecadenoic acid, Jesus, 13-HODE, much easier to say 13-HO or 4-HNE. And yes, they are as horrible as they sound. These byproducts lead to uh, mitochondrial dysfunction, death, and damage to our cells. This is something that I actually spoke about. If you go back to the podcast, seed oils are killing you. Processed seed oils are killing you. We spoke about the damage that it does to your cells. It causes death and damage to them, and a cascade of effects that eventually lead to metabolic dysfunction and disease. Yes, these are poison. am Am I resonating with anyone yet? Maybe we can, maybe, maybe, I hope so. I hope you're starting to think, hmm, maybe I need to think about how much of this I'm consuming. Number five, they are directly linked to all chronic diseases. That's right. All seed oils are linked to chronic diseases. Remember how we just told you that the byproducts of seed oils lead to mitochondrial dysfunction and DNA damage via oxalams? Well, this damage at the cellular level is a signature of all chronic diseases and metabolic dysfunction. The best data is currently in animals because we can measure the effects over their entire lifetime. For example, this 2020 in a 2020 study showed that feeding mice soybean oil not only led to obesity, but also gene dysregulation that could cause higher rates of neurological conditions like anxiety, depression, autism, and dementia. The author concluded, if there's one message I want people to take away, it's this, it, it's this, reduce consumption of soybean oil. 
There was even one study where high omega-6 fats were required in order to induce tumor growth in rats. There are also many shorter duration studies in humans that link increased seed oil consumption with chronic diseases like cancers, heart disease, and autoimmune diseases too. And then there's papers that show that seed oils fry your brain and can lead to mood disorders, cognitive decline, and dementia. Yeesh. Not good. I hope that you're paying attention. Number six, they contain toxic additives and byproducts. Because seed oils are so unstable, harmful chemicals must be added during manufacturing to prevent oxidation and rancidity. Otherwise, seed oils would smell like rancid fish. Some of the most common additives are butylated hydroxyanisole, BHA, or butylated hydroxytoluene, uh, BHT, and tertiary butyl hydroquinone, TBHQ, which have been shown to be carcinogenic. And when seed oils are heated up, which is most of the time, they release toxic uh, aldehydes in such high concentrations that they exceed the safe daily limit set by the World Health Organization by 100 to 200 times. In other words, when you this stuff has carcinogenic count, uh, additives to it, and when you heat it up, uh, it increases it 100 to 200 times. Toxic aldehyde generation in and food in and food uptake from culinary oils during frying practices, uh, peroxidative resistance of monosaturated rich algae oil. There's this article here. This is the National Library of Medicine that tells you right here. You can read it all. It's got all the, d- the data here that shows you just how much of this crap is in your oil. Um, we can find maybe we can find the summary here because these are these are very long studies that you could spend hours reading through them. Uh, yeah, that's discussion. Let's keep scrolling. Bear with me. Conclusions. Exposure of PUFA-rich culinary oils to LSSFEs for periods of up to 90 minutes generates extremely high levels of ha- hazardous aldehydic LOPs, which may present both serious and chronic threats to human health. Contrastingly, results required here also clearly demonstrated that the predominantly MUFA-containing PUFA-deleted MRAFO oil explored was particularly resistant to LSSFE-induced thermooxidation, i.e. much more so than PUFA-rich sunflower or corn oil, and corn oils, and also more than, than other MUFA-rich oils tested. Uh, it's, it's... I'm trying to find a way of of explaining this so it doesn't sound too confusing. Um, but yeah, the moment it's heated up, it just, it automatically increases it. It's just really bad. Um, <clears throat> let's look this one up real quick. The carcinogenic. It's another article that's not opening up. Go figure. So, there you have it. Seed oils are unstable. Harmful chemicals must be added. And thus those harmful chemicals are carcinogenic to us. And they, when these seed oils are heated up, it releases toxic aldehydes in such a high concentration, 100 to 200 times more than you should consume. According to the world health organization. 
Unreal. And we consume these like it's normal. Number seven, seed oils cause you to crave more junk food. Yes, we've said this before. Seed oils increase the production of, of endocannabinoids, specifically 2-AG and anandamide. Anna, anandamide. Anandamide. These words, man. I'd be a horrible doctor. I can't pronounce any of them. These compounds hijack the satiety receptors in your brain in the same way that cannabis does, leading to increased cravings for more food. It can create a vicious cycle where the more seed oil enriched food you eat, the more you will crave it. Have you ever noticed that it's difficult to eat maybe one or two chips? You ever been to the, like the Mexican restaurant and had like a couple of chips out of the bowl? Or have you ever had like one Dorito or two Doritos and the next thing you know, you just, you just want more. And before you know it, you've had half the bag of Doritos. Have you ever noticed too, when you eat these sort of foods that you could just count, you could eat more and more of them. It seems like you never get full off of eating Doritos. You might feel, you might eat a bag of Doritos and feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay, but you're not full. And generally speaking, you're hungry within a few hours. That is because of um, the production of 2-HE and anandamide. These sort of things block the receptors in your brain from communicating and releasing the hormone ghrelin. Everybody always says, oh, my stomach must be shrinking. I'm getting full faster. No. The sensation of feeling full is a hormonal sensation product. It's from hormones. It's a hormone called ghrelin that your body produces to release and tell you, hey, we're good. I don't need any more food. You can stop eating now. The problem is when you consume something with seed oils in it, it blocks that receptor from working properly. So you will not release the hormone ghrelin and likely will cause you to be opposite of feeling satiated but hungry. So you'll eat more. This is another, this is one, this is the big reason why so many people are overeating in the United States. It's not even the fact that maybe they're, they may be saying, well, I'm not eating unhealthy, but you might be eating too much because of this damage you are causing to your brain. So what's the take home message in the realm of health and nutrition, meat, carbohydrates, and sugars seem to get all the public scrutiny, but seed oils appear to get a free pass. I say this every day. Nobody really wants to talk about seed oils. However, uh, I will say that I think we're finally starting to make the turn on this. I, I hear more and more people talking about seed oils today uh, than we were three or four years ago for sure, or even really like a year or two ago. Um, mainstream health advice continues to recommend them as heart-healthy alternatives to healthy animal fats. And there are literally entire diets founded upon the premise of cutting out meat, sugars, or carbs, yet very few that focus on eliminating seed oils except the diets that I recommend to you. The diet like NSNG, no sugar, no grain. That diet is predominantly says no more seed oils. And it's easy to do because the food you eat, you eat on NSNG is typically all natural. It's not processed. You're going to find seed oils in just about everything that's processed. Now, that's not to say you won't find it in, in the deli or in the meat department. You have to be very careful when you shop for meat, especially when it comes to ground uh, meat like sausage, for instance. Uh, you may think that Italian sausage is perfectly health fine because it's Italian sausage. It's sausage with spices in it. Mm, wrong. Read the label on Italian sausage. You'll find corn syrup. You'll find seed oils in there. 
it, they add all kinds of nasty byproduct to it. The best thing you can do is try to find, uh, if you have a local butcher or you just can find a reliable source for just plain pork sausage, take it home and season it yourself to make it Italian sausage. It's not that hard. Just get Italian seasonings. If you need to sweeten it up, use raw honey. That's a great way to sweeten it up without having the negative effects of processed sugar. And then where you go, boom, Bob's your uncle. Uh, another diet that eliminates this is the one that the heart and soil people recommend, which is the animal-based diet, which is the one I kind of do a little bit more now uh, than I than NSNG. Animal-based diet removes all of these substances. An animal-based diet focuses on uh, primarily red meat, but meat, uh, raw dairy, fruit, and raw honey. That is the foods you consume on an animal-based diet. Uh, you do not consume vegetables, and you don't consume processed foods. Uh, I am a hybrid between that and NSNG. So, and, you know, regardless of take kicking out vegetables or kicking out sugars or kicking out fruit or whatever you want to do uh, in terms of elimination, the, the single biggest thing, if you eliminate it, that will improve your life dramatically would be removing seed oils. So how can you break up with the seed oil? Step one is get them out of your house. Throw away every bottle of seed oils and seed oil-containing food that is currently in your home and replace them with real butter or tallow. But David, real butter and tallow, won't that give me heart disease? No, it won't. There's no study in the world that shows that tallow, saturated fat, or butter will give you heart disease. There's also no study in the world that proves for a fact that cholesterol is the leading reason, high cholesterol is the reason for heart disease. You don't believe me? Google it. There are plenty of doctors out there that will tell you that high levels of cholesterol do not lead to cardiovascular disease. Does not lead to blockage. In fact, it's actually likely the reason behind the reason for heart disease or arteriosclerosis is more than likely either being diabetic, pre-diabetic, or excuse me, being diabetic or pre-diabetic. Why is this? I'll break it down very quickly. What is the one thing we know about diabetics? Diabetics have bad circulation. It's one of the reasons why, uh, well, they have bad circulation, but they also have a lower white cell, the lower, they have a weakened immune system, lower white cell count. What happens often with diabetics is they, they lose appendages. Why does a diabetic have to have their toe or foot cut off? People don't under, may not understand this, but what ends up happening is they have restricted blood flow to the bottom of their legs. Their legs don't get uh, good, adequate blood flow which means their wound healing is, is far worse. If they get a, if a diabetic gets a cut on his leg, his leg could take far longer to heal than a normal person. Okay. That's because wound healing in general for a diabetic takes a lot longer because of, because of the things that we just said. And so sometimes it gets to be so bad that they, the wound can't heal and it becomes infected and they have to amputate. The legs are usually the first thing to, to go. They're the, they're the kind of the furthest from the heart and everything else. So that's the first thing to suffer the most. The toes are the, all the way down at the bottom. And so knowing that, what do we know about art, arteries? Well, we also know that with the arteries, you have some level of inflammation generally around the areas where the arteries fork. Okay. So if you picture the artery going left and right, where it diverts off into different locations. There's a fork there in the artery. Well, the blood pressure is so high near your heart where those arteries are at that it can cause a level of inflammation 
because that blood is flowing through there so much. It's not a problem for a healthy human because that inflammation is generally healed. It doesn't become, it doesn't become overly inflamed. Okay. But if you're diabetic or pre-diabetic and you have a resistance to wound healing, that inflammation may not be healed properly or it may heal slower. And then what happens? Because it's healing slower, it stays inflamed for longer and develops plaque. The next thing you know, you start to develop blockages. This is why we only ever see blockages. This is another thing you need to ask yourself. If, if, if cholesterol is the reason for arthrosclerosis, is the reason why there's heart disease and blockages in your heart, why is it we don't see blockages in the smaller arterial veins in other parts of the body? We only see it in the larger arterial veins of the body. If, in fact, it was cholesterol, would it not appear in the smaller, the smaller veinings, arteries in your body? Because guess what? Cholesterol is there too. Cholesterol is everywhere. Your body needs cholesterol. It uses LDL. LDL is a key nutrition, a key nutrient for you to have. If you don't have enough of it, you could become sick. You could even die if you don't have, enough, if you don't have any LDL. This is why I always tell and I advocate, get off a of statin. Don't be on a statin. Statins are bad for you. Statins can kill you. Statins can cause dementia. Statins can cause uh, paralysis. They can cause um, kidney failure. They can cause organs, sh- organs to shut down because they, they, they prohibit you from producing LDL. And if you're on a low carb, if you're on a low cholesterol diet, that's even worse. So there's no study out in the world that proves that cholesterol is the reason why um, cholesterol is the leading cause of heart disease. They're all, they're all hypothesized because they think, oh, we did a study and all these people had heart attacks and had blocked arteries. And look, look, what's in the, look, 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 what's in the blockage cholesterol. But that's like going to a giant 400 car pileup on a highway and saying a semi truck caused it because there's semi trucks in the pileup. Well, we already know that the semi-trucks were there because they take the highway. Just because they were there doesn't mean they caused the pileup. But that's what they're doing on these tests. These, epidemiolo- these epidemiologists are saying, ah, look, there's a semi in the middle of the highway and all these cars are around it and, and piled up. It must have been the semi's fault. Well, how do you know? Well, we don't know, but it's there, so we're just assuming. However, there's a lot of other things that we can look at especially now with the new, with new technology and with, with the advancement and, and, st- and, and, and all that and our, the way we can read the scan the body and we can now do these studies. We can see what this food is actually doing to us. We can actually kind of see what really might be the culprit behind cardiovascular disease. And, and it's probably 99%. Uh, most of these doctors are pretty sure now it's a combination of, uh, of diabetes, being diabetic or pre-diabetic, and the overconsumption of seed oil. So you, yes, eat real butter and tallow. Cook with tallow. You said, David, I just love deep frying. I like to deep fry foods, man. I like my deep fried chicken. Got to have my fried chicken, buddy. I hear you, man. Fried chicken's good. Mm-hmm. Fry it in tallow. Go get yourself some good tallow. Put it in a pan. Heat it up. And deep fry your chicken in that. And I can bear or lard. Do you do lard? But don't use seed oil to fry your chicken. And I guarantee. Freaking tea, you baby. But that chicken's going to taste so much better fried in tallow than it ever will in seed oil. And your house isn't going to smell funny. That's another thing I hate about seed oils. I could never stand the smell of it. Even before I knew anything about seed oil and I knew anything about them being like absolutely terrible for you, 
I, I always hated when like we would cook with it. Like if my wife cooked with it or I cooked with it, because the house would just smell weird. I hated the smell of it. It always put off an odd smell to me. And honestly, that should have been a warning sign to me that this is not good for us. I always like, it's funny in the back of my mind, long, like again, this was long before I ever got into like healthy eating or knew anything about uh, what you should or shouldn't eat or did any kind of research or started geeking out over it. I always remember like reading on the label of, of like corn oil, you know, or canola oil, this heart healthy, according to the heart, the national uh, heart, America, America heart association. This is good for your heart. And I always thought in the back, I'm like, that doesn't seem right. It just doesn't seem right. Like every time I looked at it, I'd smell this stuff. I open up the container, smell it, taste it. It just in my brain, I always thought this can't be good for me. This doesn't seem like it's good for me. I know they're saying it is it's on the label. It says it's a heart healthy oil, but for whatever reason, like there's something in my, there's something in my gut telling me like, this is not, this is not something we should be eating. The smell of it, the taste of it, the look of it, everything about it. I'm like, I don't know about this. It just doesn't seem right. And go figure. I find out years later, no, this stuff is absolute poison. It's a toxic chemical. It's a toxic byproduct. And we shouldn't be eating it. It's so funny. And, and when I ever I ate butter, if I eat, like I had, would have butter or, or, or I'd have a steak that would have some fat on it. It always would just, oh, it's so good. It tastes good. You don't, you know, it feels like it doesn't feel wrong. You don't look at butter and go, nah, I don't know about that. Never had that feeling with butter. But I can tell you every time I'd walk down that aisle and see that seed oil, I'm like, I don't know, man. I just, how is that good for you? Well, come to find out it's not. So step one, kick that crap out of your house. Go in your house right now. Go in your cupboard and look at everything. You'll be surprised at how much stuff has it. It's going to blow your mind. Even if you don't want to throw anything away, just go look. Open up your fridge. Grab every salad dressing bottle you have. Grab all the mustards and ketchups. Just take a look. Maybe you're somebody who thinks drinking oat milk or almond milk is better for you. Well, take a look at your almond milk or oat milk. Chances are it has seed oils in it. Not all of them do, but some of them do have seed oils in it. Um, especially, I think it's like the ones that are extra thick. If you have extra creamy or extra thick uh, versions, those have seed oils in them. You will be honestly surprised at how much food in your house right now contains it. It would be one thing if you had consumed it on a very little basis every once in a blue moon. But the problem is, is we're all consuming it daily and we're doing it at 100 to 200 times the amount than we should. Five to 10 tablespoons a day, folks. That's the average. That's the average. Think about somebody who's above average. Holy cow. So go in, look at it, kick it, throw them away. Just bite the bullet, throw that crap away. Do it right now. You will save yourself. Think about the medical bills that you could possibly, you could dodge. Think about your health and how you may avoid the hospital. You might avoid losing a loved one. You might avoid putting a stint in your heart. You might reverse. You might lower your calcium score. Step two, don't buy them. Don't ever buy them again. Stop buying processed foods at the store or at least read the labels. Replace with single ingredients, real foods like ground beef, steaks, eggs, fruit, honey. 
If you like vegetables, buy vegetables. If you can eat vegetables and, and you're thriving, then go for it. Eat real food. Step three, beware of pork and chicken. Yes, I've said this before. Avoid eating animals fed grains and high amounts of seed oils like pork and chicken. These animals also store linoleic acid in their fat and pass it on to you. It's possible but difficult to buy corn and soy-free chicken and pork, but ruminants like or excuse me, but ruminants like beef and lamb are best because even if they are fed some corn or soy, they are able to process it more efficiently than pigs and chickens. This is why I say the, the golden rule, we said this on the last podcast, if you, if you paid attention, it is instead of eating only eating red meat twice a week, like they tell you, eat red meat, uh, only eat chicken or pork twice a week. Try to limit your pork and chicken intake to twice a week or less and consume red meat on other days. Lots of different red meat out there, guys. You can do lamb, you can do beef, you can do, uh, you could go out hunt, you could do venison, buffalo. There's a lot of different variations of red meat, and there's also there's variations of cuts. So you don't have to have a steak every day. You could do a roast, you could have ground beef, and there's a million different things you can do with ground beef, and ground beef is just absolutely bar none. Ground beef is one of the best things you can eat because ground beef tends to be the parts that people don't want to eat on a steak. So it contains more cartilage, more of the tendons, more of the tougher things in it. It gets broken down in the process of it being ground up, but you're getting more of that. Uh, um, you're getting more of those nutrients that are good for your joints, your skin, and, and your and your muscles in that ground beef. So by all means, don't think because oh well, ground beef's cheaper than a steak. That is probably not as that is probably not as good as a steak in terms of its health. Actually. By all means, go 80-20. Uh, I always say 80-20 is the best way to go, man. The fattier, the better. If you if you want to, go 75% meat to, to fat ratio. Why do I say that? Well, first off, it's going to taste better. Secondly, that fat's good for you. That fat's energy. It's nutrition. It's going to help with hormone production. It's going to help with brain, brain function. That fat is necessary for you. So by all means, eat up with, with um, ground beef. And there's a million different things you can do with ground beef to keep things interesting. You don't just got to make hamburgers. Step four, avoid seed oil restaurants. Now, this is going to be tough. Uh, if you are paying somebody else to provide you with food, then chances are it contains seed oils. Uh, because pretty much all chain restaurants and even most of the higher end independent restaurants cook with seed oils. If you're eating out, your best chance of avoiding seed oils will be at higher-end restaurants because they're more likely to make your dish to order and to take requests. Avoid deep-fried foods at all costs. Ask your steak to be fried in butter. You'll need to prepare as much of your own food as possible, and this is part of the seed oil avoidance that can require the biggest change in habits for many people. It can mean refusing to eat at the ball game, insisting on bringing your own food on the airplane. And being that person who asks a server that what oil they cook in, and that embarrasses my wife. If I ask my wife and I ask the server, do you guys cook steak in oil? Because sometimes they don't. They use a griddle to cook the steak. And so there is no oil. And I like to know. And then I'll say, well, can you cook it in butter for me? So from now on, the easier thing to do um, is you could just say, hey, uh, when you order your chicken, your salmon, your steak, whatever you're ordering, just ask them to cook it in butter. <clears throat> Don't even ask what they cook the oil and just say, hey, Kay, can you cook that in butter for me? And they'll go, sure. And then if it's on a griddle, then they won't be able to do it. And, it, and it, Or on, on a griddle, when I say griddle, I don't mean like a, 
like a flat top. I'm talking like grill, like a, it has the, the grills. You know what I'm saying? So you can't use an oil. But you could say, hey, don't don't coat the damn thing in, in cooking oil before you throw it on there. Like you could coat it and cook it in butter. So that's what you can do. And, and, and look, and if someone wants to get embarrassed by that, you just tell them, look, my health is, is more important than how you feel. Sorry. It's just that simple. I mean, asking you go out to eat. You're at a restaurant. You're paying somebody to prepare food for you. You deserve to have that food prepared the way you want. You're paying money for it. It's not for free. It's not like you're going to a friend's house for a cookout and you're, and you're giving unreasonable requests and you're not paying for the food. I mean, I can understand that being embarrassing. If you go to your friend's house and they're, and you start saying, Hey, what's this all cooked in? Are you guys cooking? Are you using sugar in this? Like if you start doing that, it's like, okay, you're, you're at a friend's house. They've invited you over. You're not paying for the food. Um, you know what I mean? You're a guest, like maybe just bite the bullet that day and just enjoy the food. But when you're at a restaurant and you're paying for your meal, you deserve to ask what it's, you deserve to know these questions. It's not unreasonable. We wouldn't say that to someone who has a peanut allergy. Hey, what do you cook? Are you using peanut oil back there? Because I have a fucking peanut oil. I have peanut allergy. Why? That's not embarrassing. Well, I'm, I'm officially allergic to this bullshit called seed oil. I don't want it in my body. And so I don't want to eat, consume it. So why is it wrong for me to ask, Hey, what are you cooking it in back there? And could you please cook it in butter for me? Everyone I've ever asked that has, it has no problem. Everyone's like, yeah, man, sure. Butter, no problem. Or they tell me, oh, we already do. I was at a really nice restaurant in Alabama. And I asked the guy, hey, um, what do you cook your steak in? And, if, and is it possible to get it cooked in butter? He goes, we, we, we cook all our steaks in butter. I'm like, perfect. He goes, yep. He's like, I know where you're, he's like, I know where you're coming from. He's like, I got you. See, they know. Like people, see, the thing about the restaurant business is the longer we've been in this, people in the restaurant industry are starting to notice that a lot of folks are having allergies to certain foods. They have, they have, they're starting to have more special requests. So it's not unusual for someone to say, Hey, you know, what oil are you using? Is there any nuts back there? You know, or I am allergic to, you know, kale. Can you not put any kale in my salad or I'm allergic to onion? Don't put any onion in my salad. You know, things like that is normal. So don't feel, don't feel embarrassed to say, Hey, can you please cook my food in, in butter or tallow or avoid oil altogether? But imagine a world without seed oils. What would a world like that look like? We would probably all be 20 pounds lighter. The rates of chronic disease would be at a fraction of its current levels. We would be living longer, richer, and happier lives. Period. That's just from cutting out seed oil. You can say that, oh, well, Dave, you know, I, I, had a, I had someone tell me this. I was speaking with, actually, it was my sister. I remember correctly. God bless her. But she had told me, like, you know, I tried to make the point to her that, you know, we're living longer, but we're not healthier. Much of the reason why Americans are living to be longer is because of the advancement in modern medicine, because we've had to have people need heart stints. People need heart defibrillators, little things that beat, beat their heart. We've had to, we have a, a myriad of, of, of medication that helps fix certain issues like diabetes, uh, lower your A1Cs, things of this nature, gout, whatever. We've come up with all these things to fix chronic illness. And so that's allowed us to live longer. But if we didn't, but the problem is, is that we're, it's kind of a double-ended sword. We're the ones creating much of these problems. And I use the example, and it's an example that Dr. Paul Saladino used 
And it's a fantastic one, which is if you look at hunter-gatherer tribes, there's only a couple that are still in existence that are true hunter-gatherer tribes, one being the Hadza. These Hadzas only eat meat. Um, they will only eat meat, and they'll eat raw honey whenever they can find it. If they find a raw honey, like if they find a bee's nest of raw honey, they, they go and they get it right there, and they start eating it immediately. It's like the prize. They will only ever eat vegetables if they're, if they're absolutely starving, which is very, very rare. All of these people in the Hadza are in the best shape of their life. None of them suffer from chronic disease. Their teeth and everything are in, are in good shape. They have, they have great teeth. And guess what? They have longevity. They actually live to, for quite a long time. They live almost as long as we do. Now, if you look at the rates, their longevity rates are actually lo- significantly lower than ours. But that's because in, the, in that study it includes the death rate of, of infants. And the problem is being that they're hunter gatherer tribes living in Africa. I believe it's Africa. The children are susceptible to uh, death at birth, right? Complications at birth. They don't have the medical resources like we do. If there's a complication at birth where they can save the child. So they lose quite a, they lose a lot of children at, at birth because of complications, which guess what? A hundred years for us, that was normal. That was just normal. I mean, that's why people would have so many kids because they didn't, sometimes it didn't work out. Uh, I know it's screwed up to say, but complications at birth, um, kids get attacked by wild animals. They're not the apex predator there. There are, there are predators there that will, will gobble, that will take a child away. These are all things that can cut a life short very quickly, but it has nothing to do with like overall health. The, the adults who end up, you know, the, 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 the ones that end up, you know, surviving childbirth and surviving childhood in the, in the middle of, of, I guess it's the, I don't know if it's what, I don't know if it's Africa or where it is. It's the, maybe it's the Amazon. I don't know. But anyway, they live out, they live in like the jungle basically. And so these, you know, there's a lot of things that'll kill you out there very quickly. But if they survive childhood and, and get into adulthood, they, they tend to live well into their 70s and longer. And they don't suffer from the chronic disease that we do. And the reason for that is, is because they eat extremely healthy. There ain't, there's no seed oils to be found in the Hadza. Not at all. And so, folks, that's what I'm trying to... If there's one thing I could tell you that I wish you would do right now is you go out and you cut that out of your diet. I understand that that could be very difficult and you will find that it, it, it is going to require quite a bit of sacrifice because you're going to realize how much of the food you eat on a day to day has it in, has it in there and in large amounts. Sometimes it's the first ingredient and the second ingredient, which means guess what? That's the majority of what you're eating. And you're going to go, damn it, man, I can't eat nothing. That's not true. You can actually eat quite a bit. And the beauty of it is when you get off of this crap and you start eating healthier food, real food, meat, raw dairy, honey, raw honey, fruits. When you start eating these foods, you're going to become more satiated. You're going to feel more fulfilled, more, you know, you're not going to feel like you're hungry. You're not going to feel like you're not getting enough food. You're not going to have to worry about calories. Calories don't matter. Calories have never mattered. Don't worry about calories. You're also going to find out that for the most part, your, your, your grocery bill won't change. 
because you're not going to be buying all that extra garbage that you don't need. In fact, you might save money when you go grocery shopping, especially if you can shop the sales. So you're going to feel better. You're going to live longer. You're going to avoid the doctor. You're going to avoid all the complications that so many people are suffering from by just cutting out this one product. And I believe you can do it. And I hope you do. I really, really do. Listen, folks, have a good weekend. Go out and enjoy your weekend. Live your life. Go for a walk. Breathe in the air. Take in the world around you. Realize everything is okay. Life is good. We got a lot of crazy stuff going on in the news. Unfortunately, that submarine, excuse me, it's not a submarine, it's a submergible vessel. Found out that it imploded. Those people died. It was likely that it imploded immediately. Like As soon as they got to a certain depth, it just exploded or imploded. Very sad, very scary. Hopefully it was quick and not painful for those poor those poor folks down there. I look, I get it. They did something. It was kind of stupid what they did. But at the end of the day, there are people, they have families, they have ones that love them. And none of us would ever want to be put in that situation. That's a terrifying situation to be in. So prayers go out to the families for sure. But go out and enjoy your enjoy your weekend. Have fun. Try not to eat seed oils, all right? Go have a steak. That's what I want you to do this weekend. Go treat yourself. You worked hard. I know you worked hard this weekend. So tomorrow or tonight, go get yourself a big-ass steak. Maybe a sweet potato with some butter. Hell yeah. And enjoy your weekend, guys. Hey, if you like the show, be sure to tell a friend. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode of The Ramp. If you like the show, tell a friend. Also, rate, review it. You believe it or not, that helps us. So wherever you get your podcast, leave a review. Holy moly, you have no idea how much that can help. Costs you nothing but just a moment of your time. We thank you for listening. I love you all, and I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. we got so much to get into. Donald Trump indictments, Joe Biden saying more dumb stuff. God save the queen, man. Yeah, baby. So on that note, folks, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. We look forward to talking to you next week. Bye now.